warm welcome to you all. Hope you'll thoroughly enjoy our program. It's the Real Britannia podcast, the very British podcast about very British movies with just a hint of professionalism. Good morning, Scott, here with me at the other end of a Skype line. Over in York, it's Stephen. Good morning, sir. Morning, Mayor. How's things going down there? <laughs> I don't want to dwell on it too much because no, we've sort no. of mentioned previous podcasts. By the time this episode goes out, the current situation may have changed, but what are we in now? Is it week four of lockdown, I think, is the official Oh, something like that. Yeah, I mean, who's counting? Yeah, that's it. it every day is the same. You know, every day is just like Sunday, as was it Morrissey said. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but a Sunday means that we get together, we record at 10.30 in the morning, and for the listener out there, you'll be hearing this possibly four to six weeks later. We don't know because we, we've got so many in the bank now. We, we recorded yesterday. Yes. With our dear friend Anthony from the Glass Onion John Lennon podcast. Uh, so that episode will probably would have been out by the time we get to this. But mm. We've got several several in the bank, like you say, and, and you know, because of Tony as well. Tony's um, As well as Anthony, yeah. who are two separate people, despite the similarities in the name. Yes. Um, one does more research than the other. But, um, <laughs> Definitely. It, they, you know, they both bring their own... own on thing to the show, but um, there's so many in the bank. Yeah, it's even to the point where you you know you actually might be able to take a bit of a break from it, um, oh, and, and it's a... still hit um, our hundredth episode by the summer. It's heading that way. I mean, I might take a day off from from podcasting. <laughs> First one this year, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, we spoke briefly before we switched the mics on about how it's affecting our daily lives and how many movies you find you're watching now do you find you're having more time to actually sit back and watch a film now because you're at home 90 percent of the time um although although i'm i'm busier than um i was previously um because of me looking after essential workers um because i don't have the traveling aspect which i normally have it means i'm getting in an extra movie a day really i think um mm. which which is is good, I, you know. I usually manage, uh, I think, uh, like one film every two days or, or so on average. And yeah. now I'm I'm, you know, getting three in every two days, um, <laughs> uh, which you know sometimes two in a day. Um, and it's you know Sundays come weirdly the the day that I don't get to watch one at all. Um, yeah. So I just get to talk about them, <laughs> which you, you, your your dear self. So um, so yeah, it certainly is. I'm I'm 
you know, filling in the time of not traveling with work to actually sit and watch a film, mm. which, you know, is absolutely fine. Um, you know, I don't I complain about that, but it certainly is a, a lot of a lot of defaulting back to the classics uh, of British cinema because they're easy to watch and to some extent it fits with the the, the kind of days that we're having at the moment <laughs> where it, it feels like every day is a bank holiday. Yes, exactly. I'm going the opposite direction almost because this confinement thing, um, I'm like a caged tiger almost. And I'm, I've always thought that about you, yeah. <laughs> it's what it says about me on many toilet walls, mate, I tell you. Um, I've, I'm, You're handwriting now. <laughs> I'm finding it difficult to sit for long periods of time and watch anything that's over sort of 30 minutes long now. Whereas before, I would happily sit and watch two movies in a row, three movies in a day, you know, sort of thing. I'm finding myself sort of going back to old sort of classic British sitcoms because, you know, bite-sized 25-minute episodes. You know, I've just done the whole of season one of Reggie Perrin, the original, with Leonard Rossiter. I'm Mind like, you, that's helped by the fact that you've got BritBox now, haven't you? BritBox is, is a godsend. There's lots of stuff on there because I was never, you know this, I never watched TV or did not yeah. watch TV. So apart from me catching up on things like <laughs> old episodes of Minder as well, you know, um, that's probably the longest thing I've been watching, you know, 50 minutes long. I've been going back and thinking, hang on, there's actually some new sort of British TV that I've missed. So I'm going back and catching on, catching up on some of the stuff that people have been talking about at work for the last five, six, seven years. And I've had no interest in whatsoever. These dramas that ITV regularly put out, three-parters, you know, or Sunday evening BBC period pieces, you know. So I found myself, I'll tell you what I started, and I'd never seen it. The Pride and Prejudice from 20 years ago with Colin Firth. Oh, right, okay, yeah. yeah. Watched yeah. the first episode over the you know, last couple of days. Loved it, so I'm going to probably watch the rest of those over the next couple of weeks. Movies are... I'm still getting the odd movie in, definitely watching the movies that we're reviewing as we're going on. But as I say, I'm just finding it a little bit difficult to sort of sit and concentrate for any period of I, time. I, I have dipped into a few um, a, a few series of things, um, and including um, catching up on... Uh, you're saying about ITV dramas there. Mm. Um, Unforgotten. Um, what which was I've, that? Been, been sort of the the cold cases of of um, bodies being found that have been there for thirty years, and that, you know they're very, they're very good, um, very well done. There's, there's three series of it now, I think, mm. um, and that you know that things like that, which although I've uh, uh, like watched the first series of it, enjoyed it, and just never got around to watching the rest of them. Mm. Um, now catching up on a few things like that, and yeah. uh, you know a few random twenty five minute sitcoms on you know channel four or whatever that have been buried and never been you know, <laughs> never shown the light of day because you know um and and things like that but so i can i can understand where you're coming from maybe the attention um in some cases is a bit a bit drifting yeah and, and as we just sort of hinted at earlier this past seven eight days i've recorded seven or eight podcasts different episodes different shows and as you said, I need to just step away for a week or two and, and <laughs> just <laughs> let it be. You know, I've got it out of my system now. It, it was I think everybody was in the same boat. I was getting phone calls and text messages from co-hosts and fellow podcasters saying, are you free on Saturday? Do you want to join our podcast? Or 
can we jump in on one of yours? You know, and it was it was like a case of me just accepting every offer that was thrown my way. Well, that's the story of your life, eh? <laughs> Got me into so much trouble over the years. <laughs> what we've decided to do today, it was your choice of movie. Yes. Now, Real Britannia has been going for very nearly three years. It may be three years by the time this episode goes out because it's mid-June, I think, was our first episode. And one of the things we set out to do was that when we got to things like major franchises like the Carry On movies or the Bond movies, we were going to review them chronologically in order they were released just to give them a fair assessment and also look at the evolution of how they developed over this 20, 30, 40, 50 years in in James Bond's case, you know, development of the, the movie. We also decided that people like Norman Wisdom that had a fairly great output of of movies over quite an extensive period of time. We'll treat them the same way. We'll start at the beginning and work our way through. Three years down the line, how many have we reviewed? Uh, Well, this will be the second. (laughs) No one wisdom from. It's only the first one that you've actually reviewed as well. Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. So we've decided to, to put things to rights because he has been sort of tucked away a little bit, bless him. We need to bring him back. So what we're going to do, it's the second of his major appearances, and it's one good turn. We'll be back after this. Take a step in the right direction Turn your eyes to the skies of blue If a signpost should say you'll be happy that way That's the way for you So you want to be a boxer, eh? Just think of sleep Sleep You're falling asleep Planet works. Please, opportunity, come away. Make a promise that someone will say, darling. I love you. (laughs) One Good Term, released in the UK, February 1955, directed by John Paddy Carstairs, starring, of course, Norman Wisdom, with Joan Rice, Shirley Abicare, William Russell, Thora Hurd's in this as well. <laughs> Your selection today, sir. Give us the synopsis of the movie, please. 
Right. Norman is the oldest orphan in the orphanage. The adventures centre around Norman trying to buy a toy for one of the children, while in the background, a nasty property developer plans to close the orphanage and develop it into a factory. <laughs> so that's, that. you know, a typical um, Norman Wisdom Fair, in a lot of ways, a, a trope that goes run through a number of his films where there's... Um, you know, he's he's the the lowest rung of the ladder in an employment basis, and um, he's just happy to be doing what he's doing, looking after other people or, or whatever. And then somebody uh, decides to go and change the entire situation, and um, you know, uproot his entire life and leave leave him destitute and with nothing. <laughs> um, so what little he has has, has gone, and. You know, the comic escapades that go along with that situation is what makes a Norman Wisdom film, obviously. You're a massive fan of Norman Wisdom. We haven't really spoke on air about your love for this man because, as I say, when we reviewed Trouble in Store, that was myself and Tony. This is somebody, and these movies are something that you always turn to quite regularly. I'm, I'm right there on, I think. So. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I experienced Norman Wisdom films right from a very early age, and so they are very much a, a, um, a comfort for me. Almost a, a you know, a, a, you know, that warm blanket that you turn to when you're feeling <laughs> ill, or yeah. or you're just wanting to put something on that um, you you feel at ease with. Um, and absolutely, so that I've you know gone through the known wisdom films any number of, of times um, in whole or in part and obviously as a comedic talent um, the, the tropes are there in, in there to actually make it appealing to kids as well as having um, bits for the adults but um, in that not there been any adult jokes in there but certainly it means that you know it's a, a family affair you know from talking to me previously that you know i saw normal wisdom perform live yes. um on a couple of occasions and he was he was into his um 70s when he was doing that <laughs> yeah. throwing himself around um doing the pratfalls and and such um playing 13 different musical instruments one after the other um <laughs> And all the all the jokes that you knew, all the all the the, um, the the things that he did repeatedly in the films were there, mm. um, and it was just you know, as you say, it's a comfort and it's just a, 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 a homely, gentle humour, which is very easy for for a lot of people, and particularly at the time, obviously for for it to be um, easy to enjoy. It's more and more recent times I've managed to um, get my head around the fact that there are extra elements to non-wisdom films whereby there's a dimension in a lot of them whereby um, it's the person at the lowest end of the socio-economic chain um, battling against the the evil capitalist um, (laughs) developer that's wanting to just um, disadvantage everybody just for, for a quick quick fortune um and that sort of that 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 thing as well i think plays into it more recently that i've I've taken that from it as well that there is an undercurrent through a lot of his films which i think is why um he became popular in some of the other places in the world where there was the 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 people at lowest end of the economic chain you know there was um we know in in South America and such like there was a bit of a cult following that arose around him and, and it's very very well known how um, how he was a, 
a national hero in um, Albania. <laughs> Albania, yeah. <laughs> um, due to the fact that it, it, the the communist leader of, of Albania saw his films um, in that light as far as it being the underdog um, against uh, the, the evil capitalist developer <laughs> and therefore allowed his films to be the only Western ones that were really shown. And, and thankfully, um, no wisdom off stage accepted that and and did a lot charitable wise with um Romanian orphans and, and such like That's and right, yeah. um lapped up his his status even to the stage of of being presented to um a national football game and him you know walking <laughs> into the center of the the pitch and as he was partway across his walk um doing his his trip <laughs> um his his trademark trip um to great great acclaim um, so, I mean, I understand that there are um, various things floating around about um, his behaviour towards um, some of his co-stars um, at various points in his life, but um, his, his body of work um, still stands as being something I think uh, deserves our attention and, and is a, an integral part of um, not only my childhood, but also British cinema. Mm. But we haven't selected any other actor, actress or director and decided that we're going to review their body of work chronologically. This is the only one so far that we have selected because... Uh, well, we have Ken Loach and, and, and Mike Lee, we've kind of started oh, on. Oh, we did, we? did we? Directors, sorry, yeah. yeah well, we directors did. we have, but not yeah. actors, no. No, this one is the only actor or actress I think we've decided. Yeah, you're quite right. I forgot about the Ken... That's, a, that's another one we've neglected, the Ken Loach and the Mike Lees. We've only done... One of each of those, haven't we? I think, you know. With regard to, like, Norman Wisdom's whole body of work, this is still early days, obviously. This is the second one after the massive success of Trouble in Store. Personally for you, where does this stand ranking-wise amongst all this, all, all his other movies? I just need to get an idea of where this is for you because I've I've got a few thoughts on it, having watched it myself a couple of nights ago. It's... I think it's pretty much slap bang in the middle. Slap bang, right? Um, okay. It's, there was a few. Um, There's a few where there was a bit more of an experimentation done with the formula and, and the format, mm-hmm. um, man of the moment, and things like that, where they were trying to try something a little bit different. And then there was there was you know the 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 start of the run being trouble in, in store, which um, sort of set a, a formula and a format. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This this has taken some of those elements out and it doesn't shine as much as some of the others, but it, it still has a lot of the, the basic elements that are, are just a normal wisdom film. So it sits there in the middle. Mm. Um, although I still, in, you know, openly say, I mean, you know, I enjoy, enjoy watching it no matter when. Mm. Um, it's not one of the ones I, I turn to most often out of his, his, his back no. catalogue. No, I'm glad you said that because I was watching it a couple of nights ago and I'm watching through this, I'm chuckling away, it's Norman Wisdom, being typical Norman Wisdom, and I'm thinking, have I actually seen this one? Or or, are my memories one big amalgamation of every other single Norman Wisdom film? And, And it wasn't until we get the sequence where he's in the toy car and there's the chase, I'm thinking, yes, I've seen that bit, I know what that is. And I'm thinking is this just like every other Norman Wisdom film that I've ever seen? Because I couldn't remember too much about it. Um, and I'm thinking... I remembered, mm. I remembered the train, the, the, in the train carriage with mm. the, the, 
the, the posh people. Yeah. Um, and the um, the, the boxing possibly. The, the boxing, yeah. And the thing is, I think about this one is it, it does break the format in a in a way, and it, I don't know how conscious it was them doing it, um, mm. or whether they hadn't just settled on a format. But the 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 peril which is is there is kind of in the background and isn't directly part of, no, of, of, no. of Norman's character's um, arc within the film. It's it's other people who are, who are more fighting against it rather than yeah. uh, rather than him himself. Do you know what it's missing? One. It's, it's missing Jerry Desmond. That that well, type, type that of character. Is, that is very much one of the cons. It's it's missing an, an antagonist. Yeah. Even the um, his love interest in this, mm-hmm. her own you know boyfriend, her own uh, paramour in in this, which would normally be Norman's rival. Yes, um, there's no antagonism between the two of them either. No, um, in actual fact, with the boxing thing, he's quite supportive of him and, and all that kind of mm. stuff. And those two elements aren't really part of the, the the usual trope that you have within a non-wisdom film, um, and they're missing. And that that does, I think make for some of the bits that that denigrate this down from being one of the top level ones because yeah. it's, it's just it's slightly slightly misaligned in that sense compared to what we used to we used to get in and it doesn't you know with the love interest side as well there's usually he ends up either, you know either the girl that he's got interest in actually realizes that he's you know he's he's the one that she should be with or he realizes that he shouldn't be with her because she's not actually worth it, and there's some other girl that he's been overlooking. You know, almost you know the the kind of trope that was used in Pretty in Pink and all these other films in, yeah. in later years, where uh, he realizes that the homely girl that's that's been mooning over him from the start of the film is actually the one he should be with, and neither of those things happens in this film. No, um, no. Um, which again, I think denigrate, denigrates it to being a, a mid-level. Um, normal wisdom film yeah. rather than it being one of the t- the top ones. Yeah, we're I mean, not I know saying... there's there's not a love interest in all of the films that he's in, but if there is, usually that's the you know it's one of those two ways it goes. Whereas this one, it 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 doesn't really need to be there. It doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah, we're not saying it's a bad movie. Just, no, no, and, and I needed no. your opinion on it as somebody that's seen these movies more often and more recently than I have because I'm thinking. I, I remember more to a Norman Wisdom. Perhaps I'm remembering Mr. Grimsdale more and Jerry Desmond more. I mean, if we're following the formula from, say, Troubling Store the year year before, does the musical interludes continue throughout the series? I, I don't remember them in the later ones. I think this is just a, a trope of the earlier um, earlier movies, they, isn't they it? They are more common in the earlier ones. Yeah. Than they, I mean, they as. As I said, I think that the, some of the ones, uh, Man on the Moment, is one of the ones I can think of where they, they try and do it differently. Is that the one um, on the island, the Pacific Island? Um, the where he's, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he, Man on the Moment, yeah, where he's the um, nephew of the Prime Minister or, or whatever, mm. and he yeah, becomes um, popular in the, with the islanders when he's made an ambassador, That's sort of thing, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's, there's, there's still the song dance, well, Particularly song sequences that happen in, in the later ones, mm. but I think it was it was definitely more focal point in um, in the earlier ones, and, and including Troubling Star, yeah, was... uh, with the songs being written by by Noel Wisdom himself, and yeah. also then you know 
probably been in the charts as as well. He been did. you know, yeah, number three, um, I think. Don't laugh at me. Got to. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So I think there was those elements uh, are put in, but I don't think there is the the focal point. And in this no. one, hmm. I don't feel the stand out. They're part of a normal wisdom film as far as we understand it. It's, it's, it's just the a song, showcase, the isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just a showcase for his talents. and Because why have a man that can play 13 instruments, can write good tunes and sing and not use that talent? And it's still early days in his movie career. It's only movie two, isn't it, as we said? I, and we're not saying this is a bad film. I loved it. I did enjoy it. I was, I was laughing out loud many, many times. Not just the fact that what was going on, but just chuckling away at recognising people again and it's like, oh, look, there's so-and-so that's going to be in the Hall of Fame. That one's going to be making an appearance soon, you know, and do the typical things that we do as Real Britannia viewers now that we possibly didn't do a few years ago. You know, we would not be looking out for Arthur Mallard in the boxing ring or or people like that. No, no. We'd just be taking them for granted, you know. I enjoyed it. It's first time, if if I have seen this all the way through, which I'm pretty sure I must have done, I'm talking 40-plus years ago. I was a kid when I saw this. Highlights for me is, is the set pieces. There's a lot of set pieces in this, which is great. You know, the the car scene, the boxing scene, the, the, the train, right near the beginning, the train scene, you know, yeah. as you said. And, and this whole thing about differences between class and social attitudes run throughout the film even to the point of is it iris the woman that works in the shop you know she's a class yeah the, the, yeah the, yeah and she obviously she has the money to be able to just um buy things as she wishes which yeah. is why there's the um the right at the very end of the the film the where his efforts all the way through the film uh kind of undermined um, unintentionally by her, but they are, you know, um, and which again is 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 not the way it normally goes in an old wisdom film, as far as um, the the female lead in that sense mm. um, versus Norman. So, very, you know, the very much there are the set pieces, like you've said, and you know, it starts off with a set piece as the the, the frantic <laughs> doing doing seventeen different jobs at the same time while trying to take a phone call and and telling telling other people to off the phone to to shut up and the person on the end of the phone thinking yeah. you mean mean them, which is very much uh, you know something that's been been um, used as a, as a thing over and over again. There's a, there are actually, you know, there, it's not a, just a, a, a unconnected scenes put together. There is a, you know, there's a, a tie in there. I mean, they have the whole thing about um, setting up Norman's character being um, basically feeling like he's on the run from the police. Yeah. Which, you know, is is something that is then used to, to justify some of the other scenes that w- we have, um, which is good because it means that there was a point to having those other scenes in the first place. So there is, a, there is actually, you know, uh, some form of, of um, structure to the plot. It's not just unconnected funny bits, which sometimes you can get in some other films by, by other people. There is a gap between Norman's story in this and the story of what the, the, the peril, as it were. Um, and I think that is why this one sort of just falls down the rankings yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to later entries, the ones that I think I remember a little bit more on the beat 
up in the world i think i remember more. early bird as well early oh. bird yeah they're the three that people sort of think oh yeah the one where is the copper the one where is the window clean the one where is the milkman you know it's like that's the norman wisdom that generally most people will remember you talking about the script and how it very cleverly does use elements throughout the it's talbot rothwell who wrote the script here who pretty much wrote every single carry-on movie from carry-on cabby onwards golden age of the carry-on movies so this was probably his last serious attempt at writing something with any structure to it (laughs) (laughs) before it got into bawdy like sauciness all the way through well yeah i mean the there is a thing with some of the the carry-ons um where it, it is just some more you know very loosely connected comedic scenes mm, there is a plot um, running through most of them yeah, if you look hard but, enough yeah. but um you know sometimes the the plot is as thin as a, a Jackie Chan film <laughs> and um and I love Jackie Chan films, I know you so, do you know. another one of your favorites but, yeah. but um but yeah I mean I have to be perfectly honest that's you know maybe there's a link between the two because the, there's a certain amount of physical comedy between Jackie Chan and um Norman Wisdom I suppose I think that the, the, there is a, a, a sense that a lot of normal wisdom films do follow a pattern, and this d- hasn't quite hasn't found it yet, has ha- it? Hasn't quite found it. No, yeah. I think I think to be honest, I think they did kind of they'd already found it, but they hadn't realised they'd found it. So when they did something <laughs> store, yeah. and that worked well, rather than repeat it, they thought, well, we'll do something a bit different, and and by doing something a bit different, didn't quite quite work. But then again. How much of that was that they were pushing it out quite quickly? They because did, I think apparently. that the um, yeah, this that. was this was released this was um, filmed the year after Trouble in Star and then sort of released in the early part of the, the following year and then by, before that year was out before 1955 was out there was an, another normal wisdom film um, out there you know they were started banging them out quite quickly really in in a lot of senses just to be able to I think capitalize upon the success mm. and. Maybe um, this one wasn't the best, best, uh, best example of that difficult second album. Basically, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, they threw a bit of money at this as well because, like you said, the opening sequence isn't just him doing this mad clap slapstick. You know, trying to get six jobs done at the same time. There's the whole inventor thing as well going on, where he's made these little machines to wake himself up, and that that sort of disappears halfway through the plot as well. But there's a review in the Radio Times. This was written many years later. I've just spotted this online. Oh, and, yeah. And um, it sort of confirms what you're saying here. It says here, this is a cleverly constructed follow-up to Norman Wisdom's smash hit debut troubling story. It is cleverly constructed. You know, there's, you can't fault you know, the plot as it goes through. Arguably the best of his vehicles. That I'm going <laughs> to... Yeah, dispute. I wouldn't, yeah. Of course, the film is overly sentimental, but sentiment was part of Wisdom's stock in trade. And today, if we can look beyond the homegrown schmaltz, we can recognise the rare quality of a true cinematic clown. This one is very schmaltzy, and it makes you wonder if it was a bit of a personal thing for Norman Wisdom, bearing in mind his background and his childhood because we, we know the tragic story of, of Norman Wisdom. You know, yeah, I mean, I, I think that this one... I don't know how accidental it was or how it was just um, might have actually been something he'd um, pushed as an idea for them yeah. to develop um, with with the the orphanage side and and, and the kids and stuff. Yeah. Uh, he himself had um, I think it was t- 
three years before become a father for the first time. Right. And he just had his second child uh, as filming, you know, when they were coming up to, to starting to do this film. Mm. So um, the, the idea of him um, wanting to, to have more of that, uh, the element of children um, as a focal point and his character um, looking after um, kids and, and yeah. that probably you know was in keeping with his own life at, at the time um i don't doubt that but yes absolutely his own tragic childhood with his his, his mother leaving and um, etc i think it was undoubtedly there was some kind of um, sentimentality for himself in there as well as um, it being for the audience yeah have you got any sort of standout scenes in this because we're not saying this is a bad movie it's it's, it's a middling Norman Wisdom this is what we said there are worse than this this is a, a very enjoyable early entry in in the CV I mean the, the set pieces do stand out but I think as a whole I just think it's the overall clown the the, the opening scene is a is a marvelous example of putting his talents to use what he was good at what he used to do on stage is transposed into a big cinematic environment and he's got the benefit of having lots of props, you know, being able to fall through drawers in cupboards and, you know, tea trays and trolleys and, and cups and saucers mm. flying everywhere. Hoisting uh, in the air on the, um, on the, the, the air, the yeah, air, yeah. yeah. You know, he's, he's got that benefit of, you know, a little bit of a budget that he's in a movie now where we can, you know, let his, let his mind race a little bit and come up with some creative stuff. Cause I bet he designed all of that sort of slapstick stuff himself. He I, I would say so. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure he did. Yeah. He wasn't directed to do that. It would be like, okay, well, could, could we do this now? Could we have a, a huge draw that I can stand on and then I fall through and you could just picture it. You could picture his mind working on trying to create that. Create chaos. Yeah. Basically to create an actual mayhem. But there are some standout scenes. I mean, you've, you've mentioned the, the railway carriage, the boxing scene, the car, the toy car. That's that's the one that I yeah. think I, that triggered it for me, that I remembered this movie. Shall we have a little look at the Hall of Fame? Because there are a few I think we need to mention. Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. There, there are a, a few. We have, um, as far as uh, new entries mm-hmm. into the Hall of Fame, there are only... Um, 14. Beg your pardon? <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to say that there might be one that I could think of. The top, 14 get their third appearance on the show. Yeah, I won't run through what other films they've been in, but Just I'll run through their the names. names. Yeah. Okay. Um, Chris Adcock. Okay. Paul Berardi. Yeah. Robin Burns. Austin Cooper, which was favourite car I've ever run. <laughs> um, excellent. Fred Davis. Yeah. Joyce Everson. Yeah. Anthony Faramus. Yeah. Otto Fries. Um Arthur Howell. Yeah. Joan Ingham. <laughs> Cyril Kent. Yeah. Leonard Llewellyn. Where are you finding these people? Are you sure these are on the cast list? Okay, keep going. <laughs> Edith Ray. Yeah. And Bob Raymond. Oh that So they're the fourteen um new entries <laughs> into the um <laughs> The, the Hall of Fame. You've got um, your work cut we, out. We, we, we do have a, we do have a couple of um, repeated appearances as well. What, more than three, or yeah. yeah. There's um, as far as people who've, who now had their fourth appearance, mm-hmm. there's um, seven of those. <laughs> 
this is why we're not doing Norman Wisdom movies. So uh, often, which is um, uh, which the the first one that that leaps out to me, um, Mule Green Slade. Oh, of course, um, the famous. Yeah. The, uh, Noel Howlett, though you will oh, please, recognize sir. him. Yep. <coughs> please, sir. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the Antarctic, I think. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Molly Lumley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arthur Mullard gets his call. Hey, at last. Yeah, Paul of London um, and something else. Uh, yeah. Richard Neller, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Silk, <laughs> yeah. and Rita Tobin Wesk. Oh, yeah. Um, she, she's she got a, a fourth appearance. Um, <laughs> there are some fifth appearance ones as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which is Jack, uh, Jack Mandeville and uh, Joe Phelps. There are some six appearances as well, <laughs> um, as it happens, just while we're on the subject. Go for it. Um, Patrick Haplin and Lola Maurice. Mm-hmm. Ernie Rice, who as we've encountered before, definitely. Yeah. Uh, George Spence and Philip Stewart. So, and um, as far as seventh appearances. Oh, life, I didn't think it'd go any further. Okay. Um, there's a guy called Aidan Harrington. Another Harrington. So, now, another Aiden, Harrington, yeah, the I, other Harrington, I, not, not Victor. No, I looked um, this guy up not the his, other day. And not his daughter, Victoria. No. But, um, yeah, I looked Victor this up. and Victoria are related, uh, strangely enough. But, yeah. Uh, Aidan Harrington, as far as I can work out, isn't actually related to either of them, but he gets his seventh appearance in a way in, in, in this, which is quite nice. Um, <laughs> and also um, two others. There's uh, Guy Standeven, who mm-hmm. um, I mentioned uh, the other day when we were reviewing with Anthony. Oh, Lolita, um, wasn't it? Yes, he was in uh, there. Mm-hmm. So, um, blinking, you miss him. And uh, Graham Tunbridge as well uh, manages to get the seventh appearance. You're going to uh, tell me this, so mate, aren't you? You're going to tell me this. Well, mate. actually, as it happens, <laughs> there, there are two people who've had their eighth appearances. Yeah, there's okay. uh, George Holdcroft yeah. um, and Ian Wilson um, okay. to have their, their eighth appearances. Yeah. So, uh, which is quite interesting. Um, you also might have heard of a guy called Fred Griffith, who had actually yes. got his ninth appearance. Oh my lord! So he must be really pushing towards Victor Harrington now. Oh, he's pushing. He's pushing towards Victor. Yes. Um, oh, so there's a battle. There's a battle at the top. There's going to become yes a, a battle <laughs> for the top. But um, uh, and um, as you've already said as well, not a Hall of Famer, but definitely um, worth noting as a. The first appearance is uh, Thora Heard. That's her first, uh, is it? I wondered if it yeah. was. Um, she um, does appear in some subsequent uh, carry-ons, I, I believe. Um, oh, lots of other stuff we should catch up with her. Possibly one of the doctors as well, doctors in let's see, or doctor, one of the doctor ones. I think she's um, in as well. This is her first appearance. That's that's quite a bulk of people pushing in the uh, walls out of the. The that was a big now. one then. Yeah, that was a massive Hall of Fame. This <laughs> I was not expecting that because I was looking through the cast list this morning. And obviously there's famous faces, like you've mentioned, Martha Mullard, Percy Herbert, who I think is only on his second, Lucy Griffiths, you've already mentioned, Harold Goodwin's in this briefly, but mm-hmm. he still hasn't appeared actually in the Hall of Fame as in, an inductee yet. Apparently, um, one of the kids, is he very young Fraser Hines? Which I didn't yes. know. Yeah. 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 Um, Graham Stark is at the boxing match, and Graham Stark will appear if he hasn't appeared already. Yeah. Character actors Michael Balfour's in this. Noel Howlett, you've mentioned. Richard Caldicott, who plays William Russell's father. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. Richard Caldicott may eventually appear, but you know, I said I was watching TV series earlier. Richard Caldicott was in an episode of 40 Towers I was watching the other night. 
Do you remember the one, the gourmet night? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah where the, the chef gets drunk because he's in love with Manuel, so they get the French restaurant to cook the duck and they invite like noted luminaries from Torquay to, to come to this grand gourmet night. <laughs> and you've got the colonel who's got the twitch and he gets introduced to Mr. Twitchin. Well, Mr. Twitchin is Richard Caldicott. Oh, right. Yeah, so he was acting right through to about the early 80s, I think it was, probably a bit longer than that, actually. But from our discussion of The Rebel, the Tony Hancock episode that we did, and I said to you about my love for old radio shows, Richard Caldicott, for many years, was in The Navy Lark. I think he was Commander Povey. I think he was one of the one of the officers in the Navy Lark with Leslie Phillips and Ronnie Barker and all those guys. So I looked out for him, but yeah, Noel Howlett jumped out for me from Police Sir because I'm rewatching all of the Police Sir episodes at the moment. I honestly did not think it was going to be to that extent today. No, uh, but again, it just proves our point that we say virtually every episode that it's the it's the background. Supporting <laughs> players who who British cinema is built upon. Norman Wisdom's uh, not even in the Hall of Fame, is he? He isn't. No, he's he's, he's only had two appearances. Um, so it, shows, you know, he's yet to hit it himself. Just shows. Um, so whereas the you know there's somebody in a film with him who who's who's been on on our show nine, nine times. Nine times, fantastic. And what's that guy's name? Is that Fred Griffith? Is it? That was it, yeah. Fantastic. So he's he's been, as I say, he's been in so many things. It's quite, um, it's quite amazing to to realise <laughs> that the full gamut of what he's he's done. Yeah. Uh, no need to list it, obviously, but he's he's you know he's had a, a you know, I think he was another one who was in so many things that you know it's difficult to find a film he wasn't in. There's some of these actors that we've had to um, bring up to people's attention. Um, that have um, been, you know, they've, they've had like 354 different... <laughs> yeah, um, the credits, yeah. Different, different credits that they've been in, mm. um, whereas Noel Wisdom has, you know, has had like 41 or something over to his career, <laughs> and that included at the tail end being in, in Last of the Summer Wine. Yes, of um, course, yeah. Mm. So, you know, you, then, you know, some of the other people, like I think it was... Um, what was what was the guy called that I mentioned the other, the other day? The um, guy Stand even who yes. you know had over three hundred appearances <laughs> in different films, but nobody no nobody recognises the perhaps the Victor Harrington isn't Victor, isn't the one. Yeah. Well, I mean it's you know these things it'll it'll perhaps keep changing around as we you know originally found with Marianne Stone was was the top of the tree and then. Yeah, Baron Stone and the Hicks, and we thought we're going to be the top runners, didn't we? Cyril Chamberlain, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... So, but there's... There's, <laughs> there's more to come, isn't there? all the time, because yeah. we're going to carry on. Yeah. Um, and there's certainly a lot more films for us to get stuck into. Oh, there's yeah. more Norman Wisdom films for us to get stuck into as well. I think we're going to do um, these a bit more regularly as well. I think absolutely, yeah. And I think this, this difficult second album, as it were, um, might not have been the, the peak... Um, of normal wisdom, it was still enjoyable, but it wasn't the peak. It wasn't in, you know, it's not in the, my top five of normal wisdom no. films. They were probably Troubling Star, mm. um, Early Bird, what else? Um, probably, I'd say, Up in the World, mm-hmm. On the Beat, and then 
Bulldog breed. I was going to say yeah, bulldog be, breed, yeah. possibly. Yeah. They're probably my top five. See, I can't rate pet. them at the moment because I can't remember them. They all meld into a bit of a, a one, even with me. Yeah. They meld into a bit of a one. Um, and some of, some of the ones that I've watched less often, like this one, are the ones that meld together more, mm. where, I'm, where I'm sort of trying to remember whether it's in this one or in the other one where there's a certain scene. That's it. Like with the, the you know, the, um, the walking race, was it in this one or was it in, in a different one? Yeah. But, you know, so there is that with his films that they're interchangeable in some aspects but oh, yeah. we have the benefit of you know there's a still a, a great number of them left for us to go through and we can try and get on with them a bit more snappy really to we'll, catch up on some of these series as you're doing with the carry-ons as well and yeah and we're picking up the pace now. on those a wee bit now um the next one norman wisdom wise is it man of the moment i can't remember um it's, yeah right yeah. so we'll get that one under our belts within the next month or two, I think. Trouble in store, one good turn, man of the moment. Then it's up in the world. Yeah, that's fine. So we'll definitely... Bulldog Breed, I'll know you'll be looking forward to the Michael Caine. Oh, I forgot he was in that. <laughs> I forgot he was in that, yes. Looking forward to that one, definitely. Right, we'll get these rattled out pretty pretty sharpish then. <laughs> I mean, your rating system, you're going to tell people just to seek this out as and when they can find it. It's not a big screen movie. It's it's a Norman Wisdom movie at the end of the day. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, there's, uh, uh, you know, I would say there's a couple of them that I would advise people to go out there with, you know, and Troubling Star, I think, would, would be one of those. Yes. Um, and some of the others that I've mentioned as my favourites would uh, push more. Um, this one... If it's on, sit and watch it. But I'll, no, it's not not the priority to go out your way to find it um, when there are other normal wisdom ones that are, uh, are better and um, more worthy of you you're going out your way for. Yeah. So absolutely, um, just uh, for a completist, it's it's more worth well, watching well, than watch your, your casual yeah. viewer. Yeah, if it's on the TV, make, you know, make a point of watching it. It's not one to avoid. Yeah. Um, and with that in mind, out of my five-star rating system on Letterboxd, I'm giving it three, mm. knowing that there are more coming up that I think I'm going to enjoy a little more. That's the only reason. I'm not going to be harsh on it because we're saying it's not a bad movie. And I think three stars is fair at the moment. For yeah, this one. there's plenty of chuckles throughout it. Um, and the pathos and, and etc. You know, it's it's not a bad film. Um, it's just not the greatest normal wisdom. No, no, it's going to happen. We're going to probably find a couple along the way, like you said. Man of the moment is not quite the right formula that we're used to, but we're going to find some some things to praise the movie within there. So. I'm looking forward to carrying on, mate. We'll we'll do that in a few months' time. Either you or me will take the decision to bring that to the table next yep. time. Next time we do a Norman Wisdom. As for our next episode, it must be my choice for you. It is, yes. So uh, we'll take the break. Forward to hearing what you've got to say after the break. Yeah, the break, and we'll be back after this. Then, mate. See you in a second. <laughs> Okay, Stephen, for our next episode that you and I are together, we're going forward a couple of years to 1959. Now, 1959, quite a big year in Hollywood, 59, when you think there was Ben-Hur, Some Like It Hot, 
North by Northwest, big epic cinema scope movies, you know. We're going to take a look into our history of the precursors to the kitchen sink dramas. It's the next in the sequence. We're getting very close now to the angry young man stuff because we're talking 1959. I think there's one more after this I want to discuss before we get to Room at the Top and those type of movies. You know what this is because I've mentioned this to you before. I know you like this film. I know you've seen it. It's a welcome back to Earl Cameron, who we spoke about in Pool of London. And it also features the great Nigel Patrick and Yvonne Mitchell, who we've come across before. Very controversial at the time. It's Sapphire from 1959. Brilliant. It... it Absolutely, it's a worthy part of the run of films that mm, we're doing. Yeah. Um, as well as in its own own might as well. It, its place within um, documenting the, the 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 social changes um, in British society and and being quite progressive in doing so. Um, it it definitely is a film that people you know bring to people's attention and, and us obviously where the, the the right people to to make happen <laughs> yeah and <laughs> we just can't get enough of basil did and i think i'm, I'm going to go back and find some stuff of his that i haven't seen because well, i've been doing that recently and um, um, a look yeah there's a couple, a couple of ones that i've gone back and um picked up on that i haven't previously um gone into really in in a sense the, the ones that i've missed out on mm. um and I don't mean the blue lamp. Um, <laughs> I believe I have. I have watched I, that. I think we've but, reviewed that somewhere along the line, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. somewhere along the line. Yeah. But um, but yeah, the, the history certainly. There's there's any one of his films, and still, you know, find it be um, worthwhile. Is as you pointed out originally when we first started talking about him on the podcast. Um, unfortunately, he is to some extent forgotten as yeah. far as his incredible um, shape in British cinema. Yeah, we're doing our best to rectify that, mate, I think. Um, I've just quickly looked at the cast list. Lucy Griffiths is in this, who you've mentioned today already. So there's another one appearance for her. Yes. And there's a very young Vanilla Fielding and Desmond Llewellyn. It, 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 I can't wait. I'm not going to look too deep in the Hall of Fame. That is your that is your department, my friend. <laughs> I'll leave you to work out the minutiae of the, uh, of the entries and the inductees. Um, oh, talking about the Hall of Fame, by this time this episode goes out, if you guys are not members of the Facebook group, please pop over and, and join because hopefully by now there will be an album in the photos that Stephen has come up with some stunning graphics for the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's a graphics album, not me singing. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. Thankfully no, not, for everybody. <laughs> not that sort so, of album. Yeah. And over the next few months, we're going to have a wall of photos and, and credits to all the guys as they get inducted in we've got a backlog of over 150 I think it mm. is <laughs> yeah it's not now I think it's closer to 170 something now yeah. but um but yes yeah, so that's one of the things the lockdown has um been helpful for <laughs> I, mean, I, I finally managed to catch up on that long promised um endeavor yeah so yeah. we can get that up and running and I will start putting them out on the twitter feed as well for the guys out there that want to know exactly who's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, Stephen has done a fantastic job 
this spreadsheet i mean it's 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 a mathematical miracle how you've got that up and running <laughs> people have been questioning how you've done it on on facebook and twitter it's like they? yeah it's like what does he do he must go through the entire cast list i said he, I said he does <laughs> yeah I've, I've not come up with some clever programming thing where you can just database it and pick from the the yeah. uh, a database um and get it to automate yep. um that's that's beyond my technical expertise to to do somebody else could probably do that but mm. uh, no i i do it um proper legwork um yeah. The only technology involved is an Excel spreadsheet, mate, pretty That's much. That's it, yeah. <laughs> it's my contribution, considering the amount of time, you know, you put time in to actually be doing the, the editing and, and et cetera. Um, and so, you know, my um, my time spent on this, I feel, is is my oh, contribution worth, worth to, addition, to balancing out yeah. um, the hard work that you put in on, on your side. Thank so. you. I mean, it's, it's a worthy addition because we started this quite casually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was going to be, ah, oh, if someone turns up three times, we'll induct him into the Village Hall of Fame. Not knowing how much it would snowball and what a monster we have created. You'd but never I, even heard of Victor Harrington at that point, had you? We love him. We absolutely love him. And our love for Marianne Stone has just increased a thousandfold because of this. It's, it's an experiment. It's It's just proof that... We've said this a thousand times. It's not your John Mills. It's not your Lawrence Olivier. It's not your Norman Wisdoms. It's fantastic. Thank, keep keep that up, mate, because it is very much appreciated. I think it's, it's too late to give up on it now. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a life of its own. Yes, uh, but it's a controllable monster at the moment, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. We, well, I wrestled it into control because I think it it, it was... It, there was it, danger, it was, wasn't it? Um, it actually... Away spiralled out and when I actually sat down I realised there was some I'd missed and I thought oh no I better make sure I don't miss any um, <laughs> and then when I actually delved into it I went oh blimey I've missed quite a few yeah. um, and particularly the ones previous to me um, coming onto the, the podcast regular course, and it was yeah, um, yeah suddenly it, it, it did start rolling on on its own um, but yes yeah, so I'll keep on with doing the, the legwork on, on that and making sure that we keep up to date and we've got everybody um catalogued and um they can then get the appreciation that it, they deserve yeah. yeah i mean you've you've also got a record of these extra episodes that i've done with tony and, and other guests as well yeah. you? so you're keeping an eye on all of that for us as well in the background so absolutely yeah they're getting added to the to the tally even though i'm not on the episode to um to announce who's gone in and who hasn't i'll still and they're still being recorded so um so it's not just a hall of fame for my episodes it's for all of them yeah fantastic Right, so next time round, 1959, Sapphire, the next in our series leading up to the British New Wave movement. Looking forward to that. I've seen it a couple of times. You've seen it a couple of times. I've seen it a few times, yeah. yeah. Certainly looking forward to watching that again. Always happy to watch it again, absolutely. Stephen, thank you so much for today, my friend. Uh, We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Absolutely, my pleasure. Cheers, mate. Bye-bye. Take care. Absolute shah. Positive Good luck. Thank you.
the British end up, sir. Ha, ha, ha.